0: Well, there was two cracking goals, a bit of argy-bargy, a bit of trying to con the ref too and a ball that went out of play. Hands up who's looking forward to City in Madrid on Wednesday night. Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where Manchester United are gone into full wobble. Man City feel like the Champions League final is within touching and distance and Lionel Messi puts plan together to top up his pension pot. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by David Bugle and Neil Dobbs from the Kickoff.com. and Neil an absolutely cracking game in in a different kind of way it was it just intriguing and interesting to see the champions league game between madrid and city uh, but you were sitting there in pure frustration
1: uh wasn't pure frustration, but I do get annoyed by the carry on. I have to say it's something that maybe, look, it's embedded in me over the years when you see, especially the Spanish teams. And from a Liverpool perspective, when you used to play Atletico Madrid and they used to bring out the words like the dark arts and, you know, it's all good and it's all well while they do it. Provided they win, provided they get a result. Um, Simeone was the master of it. Everyone used to laud him over it. Um, Now, that said, over the years, you've seen some uh, Classicos with Madrid and Barcelona that used to be very, very sour, especially when Marino's time there. But uh, this had a little bit of a touch of it from the start. Madrid were up for it. Ancelotti was up for it. He was roiling the crowd. He was at the fourth official. Um, But for me, just a couple of little things used to just drive me mad you know, players going down, feigning an injury, like that. you could hear the yells through the commentary. They were that loud. Um, I think it was Cruz, the one that, you know, where he, he ran at De Bruyne and kind of, he was already on the way down, by the but by the time De Bruyne has stepped back out, uh, De Bruyne was like a matador. He just kind of sidestepped and Cruz went flying across him. So, yeah, it was just one of them nights where I'm sitting there thinking, man, this really, really bugs me. Now, obviously, I'm not as heavily invested as, a city supporter or a Madrid supporter, but it just, it spoils it a little bit that I want the best team to win. Like imagine Grealish had got sent off that time for Carvajal when he went down like a sack of spuds, them little isolated incidences takes away from, as you said, brilliant, intriguing game outside of that at the top, top level. Yeah.
0: Dave, it's kind of one of those games, though, that they know that that little bit of that extra 2%, 5% where maybe be sending off or a or a, a, a second yellow for a, the next game. They're looking for that little bit of advantage somewhere. Uh, they know how close this competition, uh, this game and this final is going to be
2: yeah look before we get into what you say about the the real madrid side like and obviously neil has mentioned in simeone like i only mentioned i think a week or two ago pep is well used to it as well and the cynical fouls and bringing them down on the halfway line it's very much a a part of spanish uh the way of playing but with real madrid now they are slightly aging and it's every little advantage that they need uh like especially with man city they're very expansive they love holding on to the ball and it was very much just just try to disrupt the flow i actually I missed the first 20 minutes and just as i was getting into the house i just flicked through life score to see what it was and it was nil all and you go into the stats and everything down real madrid was zero uh, <laughs> and then possession was twenty percent. everything was trees and fours and i was like geez they must be battering them but city kind of had a lot of it in ineffective areas so to speak even though they had a lot of the ball but um I said something similar a few weeks ago about Real Madrid. Like they're they're at that level now. They're that very old head that they soak up the first half of a game, and in this instance, the first leg soak it up, suss them out, compute what they need to do, and then somehow come out with the win. You're scratching your head, going, "How do they do it?" And uh, there was a very much an element of that, and especially with the sucker punch from Vinicius Junior, it came at such a beautiful time. A bit similar to Anfield when Liverpool had the. Had the wind behind them, uh, winning two uh, up two nil and looking old school, and they just soaked it up and put them to bed. Once Vinicius Junior came in again, as usual, it kind of set an ominous tone, and you feel like that it was coming. I, you know, Real Madrid are just gifted at what they do, and this is their trophy. And like I said, I'll never, I'll never not pick them until they're gone. I obviously will have Man City as second favourites, even though I think coming into the ad he had now, they really need to dominate and really need to show their youth and exuberance a little bit. But
0: Is there anything that Manchester City could have and should have done in that first half? You know, to take advantage of, of as you said, the possession that they had and the the dominance, I suppose, that they had in the first half.
2: Yeah, like it's it seemed like it was in an effective areas. It wasn't really in kind of that dangerous thing, but uh, Real Madrid were kind of making sure they weren't caught in behind and all that kind of usual malarkey. I think it was unfair criticism of Haaland a little bit. Some people are giving him a bit of stick, but to be honest, he's the end product. And if he's not getting the ball, of course, he's not going to look like he's doing a hell of a lot, but that's not his fault in this instance. So any criticism of him, I think it'd be very harsh. He's, And it'd be the same for any striker up front. He's not in the build-up of the play, and he's not in the way it is. The midfield, as we all know, with Real Madrid, is very effective. And they were kind of very much in tight and compact in the centre. So a lot of it was on the outside. So City just couldn't get into that really dangerous spot. And then they were very much in it. The boys in the back line were very clever in where they were in terms of not giving Haaland that much space. Um, So... You know, I think with Real Madrid and the way they have been playing for the last few rounds, I think it's very much it's more of a patience, a real patience, and don't overcommit because we've seen what happened against Liverpool, and they'll do the exact same thing against uh, Man City if they overcommit in the Eddie hat. There's no away goals. Relax, own the ball make them make the mistake and don't kind of give them don't overcompensate with one or two extra bodies and yeah something that city are not really used to i know they're used to parking the bus but don't maybe over enforce the game be patient and wait for that mistake because they are a bit of an agent side and if you own the ball for long enough you will tire them out and something will happen and that guy as we all know Halland knows how to put the ball in the back in net. he just needs that one chance
0: yeah, and of course, listen, they've got the like of uh, Vinicius Neal, who can, as we've seen in the first leg, can create something out of nothing. Uh, Benzema gets a sniff. It's a goal nearly certainly. So they, they're so dangerous going forward, so dangerous on the counter-attack. As Dave said, if they do commit too many forward, they could get punished and it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened in a semi-final for Manchester City. So what would you say that Ancelotti has learned, as Dave said, had a little look at them of every sort of situation that Manchester City can and might throw at them. What do you think Ancelotti is going to say to the team and what way do you think he's going to set up?
1: Um, I think he's going to set up much the same, Ryan. If you think about it, Madrid are set up to hit on the counter-attack. It's almost... I don't want to say more beneficial. Look, they wanted their home crowd, the kind of hostile atmosphere. You want your home crowd and you want to be in your home stadium. But I just don't think Madrid are going to be phased going to the Etihad. There's a lot of teams that go there and they are probably be beaten before they walk in the field. And Real Madrid are just not that team. I mean, you see what to did to Liverpool at Anfield, a 2-0 down in a cauldron. And they absolutely, as Dave said, they kept calm. They kept the ball. And then they just flex their muscle at the right time and the most impressive thing about this madrid team is that they don't need a lot of chances they're very very clinical Um, and they can score like five goals out of seven shots type of thing. We've seen him do this in a couple of games. I think Ancelotti has a nice little blend at the moment and what he's doing is um, he's running his legs into around a 60 75 minute mark and then he's bringing Camavinga which he did into the midfield then he's bringing on Valverde he's bringing out Rodrigo and he's just tweaking it that little bit that he's bringing out one of the older legs be it Cruz or be it Modric whichever one he needs to and then he's having an extra little bit of a press on teams and that's what he did with City in the last 10 minutes. They they were pinned into their half, and you don't see that with Manchester City in the last kind of in the especially in the last quarter of, of most games, City are dominant. So I think Ancelotti has, I won't say a trick up his sleeve. I've seen him do this now a few times where he just pivots the midfield and he brings on a couple of players with a little bit more attacking impetus and pressing impetus, and it really changes the team around. So he seems to be able to get 90 minutes. Out of a team that you know definitely don't have 90 minutes in the starting 11 for sure,
0: yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah. Uh,
1: before just for a second, you know, it was
2: interesting that he's saying about the subs City didn't use any, which probably yeah. maybe didn't help the situation when you've got people like Mares and Foden on the bench that maybe could have it was obvious they were running out of answers. And the fact that why City do you didn't think that was, on, Dave?
0: Yeah, because I, I, he was really, complaining about tiredness during the week, you know, had to, to change the team at the weekend.
2: Absolutely. And being the slightly fresher, younger squad, like, use it. And especially, like, when the older guys are coming off and they're bringing on fresher legs, like that we'll never like I, I i'd be guessing that's the ultimate thing about this it was a very strange thing when I, it looked like they were running a bit out of ideas and Real Madrid were slightly kind of looking like they were going to finish it strong and come good so it's like yeah bring on your phones and the mares who bring an extra impetus of pace and a bit of a force of speed on an aging kind of backline and see if they can get a, a bit of a, a scraping of a, a winner very much a head scratcher right no idea why you wouldn't do that and especially as you said complaining about um it being a a tough slog in in the in the month of uh april into may i i don't get it and i'm not saying it's going to prove costly but it could have been that little difference because they've a couple of the <laughs> one thing we know about city if they've a cracking squad
1: yeah. You think, lads, that the, the, all the pundits were saying Alvarez probably should have come off the bench because he gives that little bit of something extra. But if you look at the last 10 minutes, the Bruyne was almost sitting up beside Haaland. So you'd imagine he could have pivoted quite easily and put Alvarez in that position and dropped the Bruyne into one of the midfielder positions. But I don't know. I kind of still enjoyed the 90 minutes watching Grealish versus uh, defenders and watching um, Bernardo Silva was kind of all over the field and maybe felt he didn't want to pull him out but the Grealish Carvajal battle was really good. The Vinicius and the Walker battle was, was fantastic. Um, and we're after seeing Vinicius now against, other than Kieran Trippier, we're after seeing him against Trent, seeing him against uh, Reese, we're seeing him against Walker now. And I mean, man, when Vinicius moves, he's just unbelievable to watch.
0: I'm just thinking of any time I've seen a manager not make a change it's nearly in fear of if he changes something that everything is going to fall apart. And I think it's from Dave, maybe from the experience that he's had before, where he's changed things, tactics, are changed that he was maybe fearful, maybe didn't trust the lads who were who were going to come in, and kind of slightly froze on his substitutions.
2: Yeah, exactly, and obviously. He has memories of uh getting burnt in the last 10 or 15 game uh, 10 or 15 minutes against real madrid the last time where they were very much the dominant side for can't do the match really quickly 170 160 170 minutes so maybe there was an element of that like like it, so far so good if we make the one or two changes it might we might get burnt. so yeah it could be a masterstroke and as you said maybe that's what it is he just doesn't want to upset the apple cart but who wins um, <coughs> I, I have to do it because one of the lads said it to me today I have to still say Real Madrid even though I, I do think City will find a way but as I said as long as they're in it I can never go against Real Madrid until they finally get knocked out
1: Absolutely Neil, go on uh, I said was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago that I thought Mald. City were finally going to maul them and someone was going to do a number at Real Madrid <laughs> considering how he pivoted the subs and how he finished that game they looked real fresh towards the end so I don't think they're going to run over them if they, for example, if they're to leave the midfield that they had on, even with Valverde, Cruz, Modric. But I just have a feeling City are going to have too much of them at home, maybe 2 1, 3 1, perhaps.
0: And we've seen the other semi final, the Milan Derby. Do we feel that the winners of the Madrid Man City game have the upper hand on either of the Milan teams if they get through, Dave?
2: Yeah, you have to. You have to say uh, it's not guaranteed, as we all know. There's been many an upset, but obviously I think everyone and the mother would pick uh, Real Madrid or Man City if they get to the final. But um, you'll always give them a fighting chance, but it was nothing. like Inter had a great start, but neither side would really strike fear into me, but just make sure you show up on the night and get the job done for either of the other two.
0: Yeah, yeah, you heard it here. Dave Buggle reckons that if Man win, they've won the Champions League. (laughs) Might as well celebrate on Wednesday night. (laughs) Uh, Neil, there's been a a hell of a wobble from Manchester United in the league. I commented on this... uh, I was talking to Dave beforehand and I've commented on this in the previous ones Manchester United are starting to look tired and it wasn't just in this game the Sevilla game was the start of the where the tiredness started to look uh, like it was approaching they had to play a, a, a 0-0 draw in the FA Cup in the semi-final but they had to go all the way in that one they went 2-0 up against Spurs and in the second half let it slip they they actually did okay against Villa, but it wasn't the, the, the one of their, their best performances. And then they've had Brighton and West Ham. And the only saving grace that I can see this week, Neil, is that they actually have a, a week off.
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, Roy, right. if I were United, I'd be looking for a home game and a home game very, very quickly because they don't seem to be doing the business on the road at the moment, that's for sure. Um, I watched the West Ham-United game Um don't get me wrong, I wasn't like West Ham random ragged. I thought Brighton were really good against them the week before and kind of deserved winners because I thought they outplayed them, footballed them. They just looked a better team. If you were asking me which team was more expensive, Manchester United or, Ma- or Brighton, I would have been saying Brighton by the, the quality that was on the pitch. But um, the West Ham game, I agree with you. I am just I was just quickly looking at the lineup there where we're waiting. But it's the back line for me, right, I'd worry about without Ferran, um, in particular in there uh, you've luke shaw playing center back now we're obviously ahead of harry Maguire, Lindelof is back in and you know i, I t- don't think Lindelof's a bad player in a set necessarily if you put him in there maybe for rani be okay but at the end of the day he was that kind of old problem and then we were bringing him back into the team um, and then Wan Bissaka, and the uh, left back so I think I agree with you. The back line is freshened up because he had no options, but the midfield seems to be running out with beef. And Fernandez is after putting in a hell of a lot of minutes. I can't remember the status I saw during the week, mm-hmm. but he's more or less played every minute that he's been fit and available for United this year. And I think the same thing might have happened to him last year where he played a hell of a lot of minutes and it kind of caught up. So he definitely needs a little bit more help in there, um, but they're just not firing. Rashford was kind of keeping them going there for a number of weeks when it was a goal a game and you were just waiting for Rashford to hit the back of the net. And that's not necessarily dried up, but it hasn't been as frequent as it was in that purple patch. So um, yeah, they, they, they're kind of stumbling towards the finishing line. And like, I wouldn't have seen them lose two in a row. And now they're talking about them missing out in top four, which it's still a bit, a bit of a Hail Mary. But Yeah. I'm not so sure. I'm not right. so
0: sure on that now, because I think there's every possibility. And I thought there was every possibility I suppose after the Brighton game, and then I seen that I was confirming my beliefs that they they actually are getting tired. They're not as as dynamic as they were, and when I looked at that game the other night, again you you just spotted. Linderoff, every time Linderoff gets the ball, it's four and five touches before he passes the ball off, and it just slows it down. And West Ham uh, the other night could block off every gap that was there because the ball was being moved so slowly. So when it did get up to a a Sancho or a Rashford or uh, a Martial, whoever, they had no room to manoeuvre. So they never really got those options. Yeah, they got a couple of opportunities and and, uh, hit the post or whatever, you know, but just not the same Manchester United. So uh, Dave. they have a couple of days off this week. I think Ten Hag gave them a couple of days off. I remember when Ranieri was asked, "How did he? How did he keep Leicester going till the end of the season?" And he just said, "I just gave them more time off. I just let them rest. I didn't. I, we we took away training sessions. It's probably something that's needed for Manchester United. You know, but where do you look at it from a Liverpool point of view? Because Liverpool have a real opportunity here.
2: Yeah, like uh, Liverpool have three left, Leicester on Monday night. and um, It'll be interesting. United's result will probably inspire that performance. Uh, United win might make it a little bit tougher. They'll be a little bit nervy, maybe a little bit tighter because Leicester have to throw the kitchen sink at that game after the debacle that was this Monday just gone. It was a shocking performance against Fulham. So if you Liber- can put the squeeze on, I think it's Wolves at home this weekend. It's a great opportunity to kind of, settle their nerves down and then put the pressure back on Liverpool because obviously Liverpool have gone on a run that's able to put a bit of squeeze on and there's been a bit of pressure and I don't think that's the ultimate reason why why United have faltered. I think it is exactly a lot of pretty much everything you've said about a few injuries and being a bit tired. It's getting to that tough end of the season. They've been they've gone the distance in most tournaments and i seen it last year with Liverpool with a few niggles, three or four started to drop. It's inevitable. So I think that's more the reason than than Liverpool's pressure. However, you know, they still want to get that one win just to settle it down. They've three of the four games at home. And um, obviously, as you said, a couple of days off, it, it, it's set up nicely for them. They'll only have themselves to blame if something goes really wrong. End of story. But uh yeah, like, get in early, get your, get your three points in and put, put it back into their court and just try and get it done before that last game of the season. Cause then you never know because, um, you know we looked like it would all look dead and buried so look let's just wait and see but uh just a little thing to add on to it because it was crazy when you think about it like liverpool were dead and buried but they're 20 points clear of chelsea and they were neck yeah. and neck yeah. if you, if it it's United chelsea in the
1: last day Foregone conclusion.
2: Chelsea are. Brutal. Yeah. So I think I think this, the the fixtures are stacked in United's favour, and they still need to win three out of the four. If Liverpool were to win all three, but that's that's a big ask as well. So yeah, I I think there's too many variables. If it was only a game or two to go, it'd be a different story. But I think there's a few too many variables that United will just do enough. But this maybe is I'm mine just games.
0: That this <laughs> yeah. look there's Manchester been United. a lot of show
1: about bottling over it this year but I drank out of a bottle
2: there Neil know
0: uh, Manchester United are home to Wolves away to Bournemouth a home to Chelsea and a home to Fulham which is not an easy game to finish off with at all and we know that Liverpool are playing Dave you have the fixtures for Liverpool don't yeah, you yeah
2: so it's Leicester away on Monday then Villa at home and then the last game is away to Southampton. So if they were to win the, la- the, the next two, oh, All very few, winnable games. But Leicester Southampton to... are relegated yeah. and Liverpool have something to fight for. Get out early, get the first goal, and then Southampton will give up. So it could really... It, it could be tight. Like, as I said, it, it could be very yeah. tight, but... Um, yeah, let's, let's get this weekend out. Like, you know, you get the, the, the first shot in first, put the pressure back on Liverpool and then let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, interesting weekend of football ahead. Neil, Sergio Busquets ha, is finishing with Barcelona at the end of this year. I think it's 18 years he's there. Uh, yeah. Lionel Messi, there was talk of him going back and, and, and trying to formulate something there, some sort of contract there for him in Barcelona. But he was out in Saudi Arabia and... Is there a chance that the two of them are going to end up out there?
1: Yeah, and more importantly, Roy, is there a chance that anyone cares? I I just don't get this. (laughs) It's it's half a billion for Messi, right? Half a billion. (laughs) It's just absolute crookery. You know, bear in mind, Messi, Messi was at his peak in his 20s. Oh, yeah, go and spend your half a billion, all you Saudi. Sure, what's a half a billion to them, right? But at this stage, like... It's just pointless. And the articles and stuff you're reading is, oh, he's renewing the uh, the rivalry with Ronaldo. No, he's not. They're just two old men taking advantage of a whole country and earning millions along the way. Like every time you look at Ronaldo, every week it's Ronaldo wants out. He's tired of it. He's sick of this. He's not scoring enough. I'm sick of the narrative, man. You're playing in Saudi Arabia, man. You know what I mean? You're like Pelé and George Best going off to the MLS going around having your sangrias every weekend. Who cares? You're finished. The no, only little interesting part to this is, because I'm after just Googling now, what age is Sergio Busquets? You would think he's 45 going on 46. He's about
0: 36, tw- is he? 37?
1: 34. How is could he? he only be 34?
0: Oh, way. Unbelievable.
1: Oh, way. So Busquets that's... leaving is a, a servant. You know He's, he's definitely going to Chelsea. Not a bother. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Eight
1: year deal. where Dave where would you you... Messi's mad mad.
0: yeah Dave where would you like to see Messi go would you like Like, no one really wants to see him go there he still has something to offer in that Spanish league doesn't he
2: potentially I think it's weird like it's the end of the year it's obvious now at this stage and I think for the two of them um, has he got more maybe he never really looked overly happy at PSG he's bagged a few goals bagged a few assists I haven't really watched a hell of a lot of them but obviously you see him come alive a little bit with argentina and even still it's nowhere near what it used to be as good as it is and that's the quality of him and obviously ronaldo but maybe saudi arabia will suit them but it is a bit criminal as neve said the money but you know i yeah i i i think it'd be silly for Barcelona, I think it'll be good money for them, because they're desperate for it and make money, but I think any top clubs Very my opinion of what I had about Ronaldo, I'm going to have to start saying the same about Messi, the big clubs need to move on and start looking at the future, because it'll get them shorts, and if that's what they want to do, good luck to them, but in terms of really getting hands on premium trophies, these guys unfortunately are not the answers anymore and that doesn't mean I'll, I don't want to be negative about them because of how good they've been, but it's 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 like these dodgy eagles farewell tour seven like you know just it's wet <laughs> you know I, i've seen it i don't need to see it again you know um and if they if they go out there i probably won't watch a single minute if they play against each other like i don't care
1: no, in that no. sense right, right here's one for you right when ronaldo left you felt that he did absolutely everything he possibly could to try and land another top european side especially a, a, a champions league side mm-hmm. and you felt he really didn't want to kind of go and then well look this is my only opportunity and then he burned the bridge in spectacular fashion you would imagine messi still would have a suitor or two in europe in one of the top teams it just feels that he's kind of bailing out look maybe he's another year maybe he doesn't but i go look at all t- things have to come to an end but you feel he might have had another year in him I mean, his season this year wasn't that bad as far as his goals and assists, so...
0: No, and I just... I do think that there is a place for him there in a team that can afford to have, you know... A centre-forward or number 10 to float, float around, you know. So, listen, He's quali- every time you look at him on the ball, he may not do them dribbles from the halfway line anymore, but any time he gets on the ball, you can nearly guarantee that that pass is going to be as accurate as any pass uh, from any player in the world at the moment. You know, he's unbelievable. He very rarely loses the ball. He very rarely gives it away. So he's still, and he can still, he can still hit a ball. So there's no, there's no doubt that he's still quality. It's just, can you afford to be play with 10 and a half men if you want to call it that way when you're defending I suppose that's the or 10 men uh, listen we'll see where he goes I hope again we always wanted to see him in the Premier League that would have been great uh, maybe Chelsea will do we we'll just keep training Chelsea because they'll buy anyone but sure. if if if, we, if he goes back to Spain he goes back to Barcelona great you'll have him back in the Champions League with Barcelona no one really cares about watching Paris Saint-Germain if they have Messi Haaland Mbappe uh, uh, the whole planet of worth of players no one cares about they're, they're just not yeah. an interesting team you know so uh, yeah it'd be much better to see him back in Spain okay now we'll just talk because you're talking about the, the next generation Dave and I'm going to ask Neil looks like Jude Bellingham is signed, sealed and delivered almost to go to Madrid uh, we kind of thought that they might sneak in at some stage and this goes with what we were talking about earlier the sort of the aging legs in that team the moderators and and so on at some stage they are going to have to bow out and now you've got the likes of Bellingham come in he could be a starter if he goes there couldn't
1: he? I think so yeah, I put it this way. Again, looking back at the lineup the other night, if you take Cruz and Modric, who, let's be honest, at this stage are just machines, the fact that they can keep going and play the amount of games. But Valverde is a freakishly athletic individual. Like He's got an engine, second to none. Um, and then you have too many who's on the bench, who doesn't get a lot of luck in, but is their backup. He came on the other night, a shot nearly scored. Asensio, I know he plays a little bit further forward, but they do have room. Uh, is Danny Sabalas is in there as well so yeah they probably are looking at the neck they they got too many at the right time when a lot of people were after him I know he hasn't come straight into the first team but you feel they're lining him up and they're introducing him and then obviously Camavinga who's playing left back for them the last while he's a he's brilliant in the middle so I mean Mm. it's an embarrassment to riches if they add Bellingham they're adding power they're adding someone that everyone is after the question is do they have the money and you know Madrid Absolutely no problem opening up the, the the wallet for the right player. So it seems like a good fit purely because of the money and the profile. And there's very other little noises about him going um, to the Premier League other than that, which kind of tells you maybe the writing's on the wall.
0: When you go to Real Madrid, Dave, it's not a thing of, we c- let's hope we can go out there and win. There's a responsibility nearly to the fans to win. That's a big pressure, isn't it?
2: Oh yeah, like obviously with Dortmund it's very much development and as players uh, they're a bit of a selling club and I don't mean that in a derogatory term, it's their model they bring in young guys, develop them into proper first teamers and potential superstars, we've seen it with Lewandowski Haaland Uh, uh, I've I've seen him and now he's disappeared but then obviously now with Bellingham, Uh, even with Sancho for example, they buy young hot talent develop them, them, showcase them and then move them on well Real Madrid no matter what age you are as soon as you walk in there you know they, they're probably the first thing they do is they bring you through the halls and show you the trophies and this is what we do here and we're serial winners just like at United or just like at any of the top clubs or hmm. tradition you know there's no development time it's like yeah we'll do our best to help you out here but you better hit the ground running and obviously they'll get a bit of a a bit of a jet bedding in period but it's it's not as long as you think with these guys it's uh It's he's coming. If he does come in now, he's at the right time. He's been there for a couple of seasons. He's had some Champions League football. He's had a taste of some of the big boys. He should be able to think that he he can swim with the with the with the big with the big fish, and there's plenty there. So there'd be a nice bit of rotation for the first maybe month or two. But if they're going to be bringing in what a hundred million. You know, he he'll be in straight away. But Jesus, what what guys to learn from if the likes of Cruz and Modric are still there? Stick like around, yeah. Some yeah. Of I wonder what they money
1: they will get from lads. That's the next question. What what will he go for? Yeah,
2: like like we we talked about the Fernandez deal. You know, you're looking minimum hundred million potentially, and then more, unless they try and come up with an add on thing or God knows what. But like, it's probably an add on. But he's fantastic he's business.
0: He has done nothing. He done nothing yet, though, and that's the, the. I'd say that'll come into the price because yes, he's playing well over in Germany, but we've seen that with the likes of Sancho. The, the German league isn't on par with uh, the the big the bigger leagues in Europe. Maybe with some of the teams in Spain, uh, even you look at the Italian league now blitzes the the German league. So it's a great place to go and and learn your trade, but it's a big step up into the into the the big games that Real Madrid have, it's pressure, win every game. And when you yeah. go into Europe, yeah. win every game, you know. You take no...
1: Holland Roy out of the equation. When was the last German guy come out of the league and absolutely blitz the Premier League? You know, yeah. very few of them do.
0: Yeah, very few. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, West Ham over the weekend uh, got a great win and looks like they are just about out of there. on 37 points. So it leaves probably five fighting for their safety when you look at Southampton they're gone most likely unless some sort of someone, down to four now unless someone bombs Leeds Leicester Everton and, and Nottingham that they're they're definitely gone so we're down to four so we've got Leeds Leicester Everton and Notts Forest and Neil what are you thinking uh, who, who's shown the, 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 the most amount of fight because even with Everton winning the other night a, a, a bizarre 5-1 victory against Brighton, you'd never would have guessed that. You would have lost everything on that game. You're still not convinced that they're going to do that again two times in a row, are you?
1: No, not really. But, I mean, I wasn't even convinced that any of them would get a win last weekend. I mean, what were we saying just there two weeks ago, there was like six wins out of 36 games or something like that out of the bottom six clubs. So, it's not, you know, wins are like hen's teeth at the minute. So, I don't know. I wouldn't trust any of them to get a win. Uh, Everton absolutely shocked the hell out of me. I couldn't believe it. And, I mean, that was one of them games. Every man and his dog went, ah, Brighton. Brighton will do them under, and even Brighton thought, ah, it's Everton, we'll do them, and the next thing you know, they got a thrashing, so it just shows that can happen. Leeds, I still think, will get a little reaction from Sam. The question is, is it too little, too late? Does he have any runway left in order to take the plane off? I don't know. Uh, Leicester I, would be the one for me I would fear. There was a massive backlash off the fans from the... It was, it was Fulham, wasn't it, the result? So, yeah. I for me, they're going against Liverpool next, and as Dave said, they really, really need to come out and show their teeth in that one. Now, obviously, the danger is when you're playing Liverpool, if Leicester go even a little bit too nonchalant and, and come on to Liverpool, they're in big, big trouble. So they're going to have to stick to their guns and stick to their plan and, you know, play that deep game where you're just trying to get out on the break. But they would be the one that stick out for me that I, I fear for Leicester.
0: And especially with their the next game is against Newcastle away. So, I, I don't see them getting that and then that. It would have to be a, a a big turnaround like the Everton game there. But that doesn't happen every week, you know, the way that is. So, the last game comes down to West Ham. So, they they need to get at least a point there with Liverpool and then hope to get the three points against West Ham probably in, in the last game. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, there's nothing for nothing, Roy. I mean, look, you're at the stage now where, you know, there's three games left. You have to literally just leave everything on the pitch. Even Forrest, you got to give them a bit of credit for them getting up to, what's it, 33 points now. Mm you know, they, they've shown a little bit of balls and they've shown a bit of fight where, again, you wouldn't have seen it a couple of weeks ago. You'd be kind of condemning them. So for me, based on, it's almost like when you look at someone and you base it on body language when you see them on the field, Leicester, after taking a real hammer blow on social media, the players coming out kind of saying, oh, we didn't really appreciate the way we got reacted. And that's just a bad sign at the time where everyone needs to be united. Everybody needs to be pulling in the same direction. It just seems the wheels are coming off a little bit at Leicester, and then after that, let's be honest, flip a coin maybe between um, Leeds and Everton to see which one of them can pull off one big win, and that might get be enough to get them out.
0: When I look at the games, Dave, and I'm I'm looking at all of them. They all have some of the top four in there, and it makes it a little and so and some other tricky games. I'm looking at yeah. Leeds there. They have Newcastle, then they have West Ham and Leeds. West Ham are playing a few of these down here, so they they, they could be. One of the important factors down there. You look at Leicester City, obviously you have Liverpool, Newcastle and Mm. West Ham as well. We go through them just to have a a chat about it. Everton have City, but it's the games after that for Everton. It's Wolves away and then Bournemouth on a home. That gives them a little glimmer of light there, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, like they're the flip-flop teams, as you call them, potentially when the season's kind of over for them Everton have everything to play for. You play strong and hard for that first 20, 25 minutes. The other lads will be like, screw this. Like, you know, I, I don't want to have a, I don't want any bumps and bruises for me uh, beach body. or or as I to a few podcasts over the last while, it's amazing. I, I can't think of Steve Howie, and he's like, lads who know they've got big moves coming up, they start watching themselves and they start protecting themselves. Yeah. And fearful of injuries. That's why some of these results, I think, are starting to come strange. And it's only after I listened to it, I was like, geez, maybe that's where your Everton's and things results come from. You're playing Brighton. All of a sudden, McAllister doesn't want to get injured. Casado doesn't want to get injured. Um, Matoma doesn't want to get injured. Maybe Brighton are a good team to be playing right now. And that's where, you know, this is all coming. Because by all accounts, I think the the offer has gone to McAllister's dad in terms of Liverpool. So it could be very much, watch yourself, son, you know. Um, So some of these results... As much as we might predict, based on the body of work for the whole season, it could completely go out the window, as we've seen. But at the moment, like what Neil said, I just think the writing, it looks like it's on the wall for Leicester. They seem deflate. They seem down. I didn't mean it quite like that about the hunger with Madison. I think I understand him, but it doesn't matter. It still doesn't look good. Um, Leeds will Big Sam somehow find something you know, who knows, but we said the same for Sean Dyson, you know, it hasn't really happened uh, Everton, I, I was convinced would be out of here, not miles away, but just maybe where West Ham are now, mm. so God knows I I fear for Leicester and if I had to be under pressure right now I'd probably still stick with Leeds, unfortunately
0: Well I think so Neil, I'll just finish it off there, because uh, there's points on the board and they've got uh, Everton have two points more Le- Nats Forest have three points more uh, and one single victory for either of the or for both of those teams and Leicester and Leeds are in big trouble
1: Yeah I, I would look it's, it's a position right you don't want to be in but at the end of the day you'd rather have the points on the board you'd rather be you know you just feel you're that little bit safer to feel that you're one victory or one good result away from staying up you know rather than you'll need if you have three games left and you have two big the big wins needs, that's a big, big ask for teams that just haven't put back-to-back results since literally day one. So um, for me, yeah, uh, look, Forrest, I'll back them even though I wouldn't have thought so a couple of weeks ago. Everton, I think, have a big win in them. And then Leeds-Leicester, they need a little miracle to get out of what they're at at the moment. They're in big, big trouble yeah
0: absolutely okay listen so we're going to leave it there Neil and Dave thanks yeah go on Dave you have something just a quick one it's just it's more for you two but obviously if anyone's listening at the end a
2: cracking documentary has showed up on Paramount Plus um, there was one on BBC I think two years ago Fever pitched the rise of the Premier League and it was about the birth the early years of it well there's a secondary follow up and it's called the battle for the Premier League and I watched all four episodes so it's from about 2003 when Abramovich comes up comes mm. in to about 2008, 2009, when Sheikh Mansour comes in and uh, some very brilliant contrasting episodes about obviously Abramovich and the money and, you know, where, where Chelsea, Chelsea were training in a college and they used to get kicked out every Wednesday for the students to train no on it. Way. And this is, this is like your Viali and Hullitz days, you know, so they weren't as rich as you think. Um, and then there's a brilliant episode that's worth the watch where it's about up-and-coming stars and how they're looked after now versus 20 years ago when they weren't really and the two contrasting ones is Rooney and Jermaine Pennant and it's well worth the watch and I don't, I'm not saying you know he was always a bit of a flash Harry but you really get to see a little bit about Pennant and you can kind of go yeah I can see certain elements of his life and it was yeah. almost inevitable his career was going to be that way you know um, okay. but yeah well don't, worth the watch
1: don't spoil it yet Dave did he go on to have a good career <laughs> he had one good year. He had one good year, but no
2: I, I, I give him, I, I give him a bit, bit of room to manoeuvre. Tell you, it's tough, but it's well worth it. Some great nostalgia, and for any United fans, United were good in it. You know.
0: All right, we might watch that. So, okay, listen. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks very much for listening, as always, and we'll talk to you next week.